Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. We are discussing Broken by the Horde King by Zoe Draven. Um, It will be an After Dark episode as we will be discussing uh, alien sex and we'll likely be cursing as well. So, um, all right, I'm going to start with our characters and Marissa will be doing the plot. Uh, Okay, so we return to the world of Dakar and the Horde Kings. This book is focused on Kieran and Maeva. So Kieran is our main male lead. He's a sexy alien with golden skin, red eyes, and a tail. He was a prince um, as a child teenager in their village. And when he came of age, he went off, um, did the trials, and became a Vorikar, so Horde King. He grew up with our main female lead. He's nice and broody. Uh, He is described as having golden eyes, sharp nose, wide, strong jaw, and a mischievous smile. He is the youngest Vorikar in Dakar's history. Then we have Maeva. She's our female lead. She's a human woman who was trained to be a healer. Uh, She was adopted by a Dakari family when she was three. She doesn't remember any of her life as a human child. And she was mute at first until she became friends with Kieran. She was in love with him for many years until he harshly rejected her and then no-showed to her mother's funeral. She wants a position of Mokira, which is basically doctor, village doctor, um, but will likely not get it in her village um, since being rejected by Kieran, she has closed herself off to love and threw herself into work. She is described as brown-skinned with freckled skin and long curly hair. We have LaRue, uh, Maeva's sister. She is mated and has one child with a second on the way. She pushes Maeva about opening up emotionally um, to others. She was considered the beauty of the village and has long silky black hair, yellow eyes, and sun-honeyed skin. Then we have Hina, a Dakari female that Kieran assigns to Maeva when she joins the horde. Azar, a Mokira apprentice that Maeva is training. And then we have uh, two like main humans in this. So there's Addie, a human woman in Kieran's horde who is um, pregnant with a hybrid child. She is friends with another human, the other human who is Gabe. All right, Marissa, do you want to do our plot? You bet. Here we go. Broken by the Horde King begins with Maeva, a human female living amongst the Dakari. When she was three, her father, a Dakari warrior, found her abandoned in the forest and brought her back to his home where he and his wife adopted her. Maeva was frequently mocked by the others in the village for being human. However, when she was eight, she met Kieran, who was 13 at the time, and the Sukar, or prince of the village. Kieran was able to mostly keep the bullies away, and he and Maeva became very close friends. As they grew older, they remained friends. However, Maeva began to develop feelings for Kieran. Kieran, uh, when he comes of age, goes to the capital, Dothic, to train to become a Vorikar or a Horde King. And after Kieran is made Horde King, he returns home briefly, and Maeva sees this as her moment to reveal her feelings for him, as Kieran has invited her to join his Horde. So at a celebratory feast for Kieran, Maeva publicly declares her desire for him. However, Kieran rejects Maeva. Maeva is so embarrassed and things get even worse when he asks her to go for a walk for him, with him to the cliffs that they explored as children. Maeva still has hope for more in her relationship with Kieran. And so she kisses him and he kisses her back. He's shocked and he again rejects her, saying that they will never be more than friends. He does not love her that way. Um, and if she wants to join his ward, she will have to adjust to that. And so Maeva perceives disgust on his face, disgust for her on his face, and his rejection is brutally painful for, for her. So she declines his request for her to join his ward, shouting at him to go. And so he leaves without saying. 
goodbye to her and joins his horde. Nine years later, Mavis still lives in the village with her family and has apprenticed with the village healer, or Mokira, to become the next healer. However, she's also competing against another person, Nabrick, who is the healer's nephew. Mavis goes into a forest near her village to collect some nuts with medicinal properties when she runs into a group of Dakari warriors that are fighting off a beast that has attacked them. Mavis runs into the fray when she sees a warrior become injured and offers to help. She's able to staunch the bleeding from the wound and is telling the warriors to seek out the healer in her town when she sees a familiar face, Kieran, as a horde king who she has not seen for nine years. Mavis is shocked but puts up her walls or indifference of indifference to protect herself, greets him, and then goes back to the forest to collect nuts. She returns back to the village to, to deposit her bounty and to check on the wounded soldier. She learns of Kieran's purpose in returning to the village. The healer in his horde has died, and Kieran has come to his father's village to find a new one, specifically Mava. She rejects this initially, but when she learns that the healer in her village has selected his nephew to take on his role and that she will never fully be considered a healer because of that, she agrees to join Kieran's horde, but only until the frost ends. It is hard for Mava to leave the village, for she will miss her family, and she worries for her father, who was widowed when Mava's mother died eight years ago. However, Mava does leave her village with Kieran, and on their way back to his horde, they are attacked by a an, an Gungira uh, when they get too close to a den. Kieran is able to shield Mava with his body, but sustains a deep wound on his back. They camp for the night, and Mava stitches his wound back together, but she struggles with maintaining her emotional distance from Kieran, and Kieran struggles and dislikes the emotional distance that she has put between them to protect herself, and he um, is bothered by her indifference toward him. So they eventually make it to his horde and Mava meets a young man that she will be training and they organize her dothiki or her, her tent, basically. Um, she sees the other humans for the first time in her life, which is an interesting experience for her. And she meets one of the human females who is pregnant with a hybrid as her partner is Dakari. And so Mava tries to create boundaries with Kieran and her life and his horde, but he keeps stepping over them. He assigns her a woman called a woman called henna who is um, her piki uh, which are usually only given to the horde king's wife and stating that and kira does this with the intention that she needs help because she's never lived in in a horde in the wild before mava struggles with accepting this because she wants to make it clear to his horde that she is not together with kieran um, the lines get blurrier though he holds a celebratory feast for her arrival and though Mava makes friends with the humans and even dances with one, Kieran cuts in. He makes a careless reference to the night he rejected her over nine years ago and Mava, hurt and angry, leaves. She runs to a nearby lake, which is where Kieran finds her, and she confronts him about what happened so long ago and about the things that she still resents him for. She's still angry that he did not come and say goodbye to her when he left to join his horde nine years ago. And that when she wrote to him about her mother's death and later had his mother send him a message about her mother's death, asking him to come, he declined to come to her um, funeral services, basically, and uh, sent only his condolences. And Kieran reveals that he did come to say goodbye several times before he left to join his horde. But her father would not allow him to see her and even struck him when he attempted to. And she also learns that he had no idea that her mother had died and that he never received a letter from her or from his mother. Kieran moves Mava into his Jothiki without asking her. And while she concedes, being opening to pursuing a romantic relationship with him, she declares that she still intends to leave his horde after the frost. She misses her family and doesn't want to be separated from them. Kieran struggles with this. He wants Mava to be his wife. Uh, Mava's work as a healer goes well, though she is concerned for the delivery of the hybrid child, which is due any day now, as she's never delivered a hybrid child before. 
she had written a letter to the healer in a horde that had delivered a hybrid child and it brings her some comfort but their healer mentions a root that is used to stop blood loss in the Dakari that she believes is actually poisonous to humans based on her previous experience with it. And so she finds another root in a nearby forest. And when the human woman delivers her baby, she uses the root to save her life. Kieran is called away from the horde to meet with the other horde kings regarding a new threat. Since the events at the Great Mountain with the Gertan that we saw in Madness of the Horde King, a red mist has spread over the land, growing a little more each day, and it has started to affect the animals, making them more aggressive, changing their migration patterns, and it seems to be negatively influencing their health, which is very concerning. The Horde Kings are worried that their goddess, Dakari, is manifesting the mist as a sign that she is angry with the Dothakar, their leader, who has been a bad leader, really, up to this point. And so while Kieran is away, Mava receives a letter from her sister. Uh, their father was gravely injured and she pleads with Mava to return home. And so she leaves immediately, but sh will she return in time to see her father or possibly save him? And will Mava decide to stay with Kieran and his horde, become his wife, or will she return to her village permanently? This is your spoiler warning. If you want to know what happens, you'll have to read the book or keep listening. Marissa, what were your first thoughts on this read on this book? Oh, I just love Zoe Draven and her book. I felt a little bit at odds with my feminism and my romanticism in this one. Uh, but I mean, if I just it's in the I love the Horde King books. This is my favorite series that that Zoe Draven has written. So. Jo Zoe Draven has written so I enjoyed it it's nice what about you yes I I love the Horde King series um I think I like the Crave series like I think those are my favorite but I love this series too I love Zoe Draven like everything she's written I think we've had this conversation before I just love her her books just make me happy I know They're just happy um so I enjoyed it quite yeah. a bit. Um, he, this book was different from her normal Horde King books, I feel like. So, you know, yeah. those are normally like, oh, sort of a very like kidnapped Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> the other books. But this yeah. one, they have a history. Yes. You know, which I, um, which was really interesting. And it was very different. I mean, and in the other books, you know, it's like immediately like, oh um my cock is hard sort of thing yeah. and we don't get like any mention of like no. cock until later on and then I don't think they have sex until after like 50 percent in yeah um so I think it was like really different compared to the other Horde King books but that was I, it was great it was I, I liked really, it yeah I like that it was different it, it made it a little bit unpredictable compared to what we've seen with the other ones which is nice yeah I liked that like you said we don't really have that Stockholm syndrome dilemma <laughs> in this one which is nice um I liked seeing the perspective from Mava as someone who had been raised by the Dakari as a human uh, yes. it, it wasn't a new concept to her and seeing humans for the first time yes that was that was a unique that was a unique element to this one um, and I feel like, I don't, I mean, I, her struggle, I think hit me a little bit more emotionally mm -hmm. in this book than the ones in the other books have, uh, because I feel yeah, I, the, the, the romantic elements are different here. She's been in love. So in the other books, we get this sort of like, oh, we met five minutes ago and we're in love. Um, and in this book, we see a character who's been in love with this guy for like 12 years, longer, from like the time she was eight to the time she was 20, I guess. And then there was a nine year interval. And so it, this is more of a, well, this would be what you would call a second chance romance, really. Mm -hmm. um, and so I liked, I liked that difference I liked that how the storyline was a little bit different. And I Mavis 
Maeve's personal journey was a little bit more impactful for me, I think, um, than maybe some of the other books were, which that is, is, it's nice to see that um, she really struggles with like self-esteem, heartbreak, and feelings of indifference and trying to protect herself and setting boundaries and things like that. And so I enjoyed those elements in this book. Me too. It was more like an emotional book. I felt yeah. like a lot of focus, like even for Kieran, you yeah. know, it had him coming to terms with what he did, right? And realizing that he loved her and stuff. So from both of their perspectives, you know, her having to heal from him hurting her mm -hmm. and heal, like to be with him again, to learn how to trust him. And him having to work for it. Yeah. It. Um, so that's, that's great. And he had, you know, he has emotions too, and just trying to resolve conflict within himself of she's not the same open, loving girl woman that she was when he left. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's this really like sweet moment in the beginning where he was like, I could always count on like out of everything that had changed, she would always kind of be the same, like her openness, her happiness. Um, whenever he returned from training and whatever he had done, you know, it mentions that he gets a little bit, like every time he comes back, he's a little bit more withdrawn, a little bit harder, but she's always able to like drag him out of that and make yeah. him smile and make him laugh. He's just an idiot for not realizing how cool she was. Men. So most like a bunch of my notes in my Kindle for this book are just <laughs> there's one that's like uh men like it's just a lot of <sighs> I have at least two notes like that I have one where like it's like of course because men right and then I have another one where it's like I guess even hot alien males can't handle um their feelings. Mm -hmm. Kieran pretty, uh, he's, he, Kieran starts off okay, like he kind of helps her and he's her friend and he saves her, right? And then it feels like a lot of this book is just, you know, Kieran putting his foot in it and having to, <laughs> and he starts out, starts out, the dirtbag kisses her sister in their special cave spot. And I was so mad. How dare you, sir? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, she was 15 and you weren't attracted to her, but she was your best friend and you can, you should do better. You yeah. should be better. Her sister, really? Um, I think that later on he says like he was trying to push her away because he had already started like kind of having feelings for her. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to push her away. Yeah. Ugh. But then, well, he does that though. And then he gives her this false hope of like, yes, well, maybe I, I'm not attracted to you right now, but maybe what, when you're older, okay. So she's just going to pine for you for the next five years. Good job, dude. Yes. I hated that. I think, I don't, I don't know if that was one of my notes or not, but I was like, never say maybe in one of these situations. That is like the worst thing you can do. If you don't need it's I no, that is a yes or no question. You say must no. say in something like that. You either say yes or you say no. Do not leave it in the middle. That is mean. That is. Give her all this hope. So she spent the next five years just pining away, thinking <laughs> one day I'll be old enough. Nope. Yep. Which exactly. leads to the most immense secondhand embarrassment I've had recently. Oh, yeah. I had to put my Kindle down. <laughs> I was so like, I was just so uncomfortable and embarrassed on her behalf. Oh, God. I, physi <laughs> I physically cringed and went, oh, <laughs> and I was reading and Tina was like, are you okay? And I was like, she's so crazy. This is just so painful. It's the worst. It's so bad. And yeah. it's not like it's just one thing. It's like this one thing that keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And oh gosh, make it stop. 
So they have this celebratory dinner for him. And so I get kind of mad. I'll talk, I'll talk about that in a second, but she walks up, she like get, you know, puts her brave pants on. She walks up, she puts her cup of brew on his, the dais on the table in front of him, which I mean, basically means that she's down to bone. Right. And he like publicly rejects her. He says, what are you doing? Go sit down. Oh, <laughs> it's so bad. So she does. She got, she's just so sweet and she thinks she's being so brave and he rejects her. So she goes and sits down and like my cheeks are burning. Cause I'm embarrassed too. And her family's embarrassed and she feels so much shame and then he walks up and is like, come take a walk with me. And so she's like, okay, so maybe he's not completely rejecting me. They go to their special like cliff spot, right? And she kisses him and he kisses her back. So she's really feeling hopeful. And then because she knows like Dakari women, they're a little bit more assertive sexually. She starts taking her clothes off. I'm like, oh, I have passed away from how embarrassed I am for her. And he's like, what are you doing? And she perceives this disgust for her, for her human body on his face, which sets off this massive, like low self-esteem chain of event for her. And then he has the audacity to tell her that if she wants to join his horde, she's going to have to get used to the idea of him being around him in a non-romantic way and seeing him with other women. And excuse you, sir. You gave her the false hope for five years. And this is what you say to her. How dare you? Yep. That was so painful to read. And then so being this, be, this being a second read, though, knowing kind of like what's going through his head now at this moment, because he's not disgusted by her. If anything, it's like the opposite, mm-hmm. right? And he's like disgusted by with himself because mm-hmm. he says later on if he felt like he was doing a disservice to her to like want her. Yeah. Um. So kind of knowing that reading it again, I was like, I felt a little bit more sympathy towards him, but I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed that he like, for the other women who went and like put, or females who went and put their cups down, right? He just like kind of shook his head. He didn't really say anything, but to her, he had like a full on reaction. In front of everybody. In front of everyone, which embarrassed her, right? And she's like, poor thing. Like, (laughs) that's my note, poor thing. Mm -hmm. And, And then he takes her to this place and like that they that was their special special. place it's their special place oh so like god and here's like the the other thing though is that like she would have moved on right she was like she says it later on she's like i would have moved on i would have gotten over your rejection and everything but then you didn't show up to my mother's funeral Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and um yeah it was real and you never came and said goodbye to me so yes. like their parent, we find out their parents are ruining their lives, basically. Mm-hmm. She carries this resentment with her for so long. And it really, if I, even I feel like I still, I second, like even second read, I don't feel, uh, I still am bothered by the disgust that she perceives, I guess, because I mean, I know that it wasn't his intention and that he wasn't actually disgusted by her, but that affected her so strongly. Yeah. It had a major impact on her self-esteem. She thought nobody wanted her. She thought that she wasn't attractive at all. And I like for her when she finally like is able to interact with humans and she's like, uh, maybe I am attractive by human standards. Yes, girl. I hate. Yeah. Second read. I was still very annoyed with him. Yeah. I, I hated the reaction that that did happen with it, that she locked herself like away and locked our, all her feelings away. Mm-hmm. It just, it made me so sad for her. And her mother at some point, or several, I, I don't know, like somebody says something like, it's a good thing that you were able to love so much, mm-hmm. you know, like to be so open. This wasn't a bad yeah. thing. Like it ended badly, but the fact that you were open to it and to be that way. Mm-hmm. 
is still admirable and still good. And then I feel bad that she lost that. Yeah. You no. Know? And in such a painful way too. Yeah. So that's one of my, that's one of my favorite quotes. I, I have a note about it because I feel like I said, this book, there are a lot of like deep, there are a lot of deep emotions in this one. And that's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, she says it too. So I just, I, I guess I really enjoyed the painful moments because those were some of my, my favorite moments, the lines where she's, she's hurting and she's talking about the pain that she feels as a result of the, the, uh, their interaction. And so one of those moments is the one that you're specifically talking about where she says, I know you think that love was silly and foolish, but I'm not ashamed of it because I loved you as best as I could. And as young as I was, what I felt for you was still pure. My mother told me that, that I should be proud that my heart had been open enough to love you like that without fear but I am ashamed that I wasted so much time loving you so much of my life. That's such an impactful statement to me. Her heartbreak is and her sadness are tangible to me in that moment. She also says, and this is another painful line that I really like. She says, Oh, and this is, and this is, right after he rejects her too. She says, I may be young and I may seem pathetic to you, but I was never afraid to love you, Kieran. And I certainly never felt ashamed that I did. Not until right now. Oh, her emotions are so deep. And I think that's maybe what, what lends more of that emotional feeling to me in this book than it did from the other books, because their love has her love for him has been growing for so long whereas in the other books you know like the last one that we read the main character had known the guy for a couple of weeks not that that doesn't not that that discounts the depth of anyone's feelings you can have great feelings for someone and not know them for very long but it lends more to me in this book because she had loved him for so so long and because of that his rejection for her is so has such an immense impact. I, I love the, uh, I, I do really love this book and the his, that they have a history in this mm -hmm. book. And when they get back to, I mean, not like when they get back together in like a romantic way, but when they meet back up, right? Finally, they're both like full grown adults, mm -hmm. right? He's a dick still. He is. <laughs> And she, she says, you haven't changed at all. And I thought, you're right. <laughs> I mean, so when she's like fixing his back up, right? I don't remember exactly, I, I had, I don't remember exactly what it was that he said, but she ends up saying, oh, it's like, you loved me once. Um, maybe I'll make you my wife, uh -huh. right? Because you love me again. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, for like political reasons or whatever, it would be like great to have a powerful healer as his mm -hmm. wife and um so he says that he's taunting her and she tells him that he's cruel and she goes you're cruel have you ever realized how cruel you really are and it does hit him he's like oh whoops <laughs> like yeah. he's like she's right because she is that's so mean I, although i do love that like not not to like get back at him she just gives him no warning that mm -hmm. she's stitching him up she's just like fine <laughs> yeah stab yeah i mean could you like that would be like that was probably really like good to be therapeutic at that moment to be yes. doing that like because she's able to like hurt him stabby <laughs> be, stab with a needle <laughs> right but it being socially acceptable because she's also mm -hmm. patching him up she's like <laughs> oh look at this boiling water over here <laughs> yeah. let me just toss that on you yep I need to clean the wound. So <laughs> we're just gonna burn it all away. Yep. Yep. So many of my notes with Kieran in this book are just me face palming. It's like yeah. you because she she is this way because of you. Yeah. She gets so bothered because she feels like she acts indifferent to him. She doesn't wanna 
She doesn't want to be close to him. She doesn't want to laugh or have any sort of emotional connection with him. And he's bothered by it. And I just, she is that way because of you, Kieran. You made her this way. This is her response to you breaking her heart. This is your fault. <laughs> I know. Ah, you drove her away. Why don't you understand that she doesn't want to be with you? He says a bunch of things too. Ah, he says in his mind something about because the years have been endlessly long without you. And he's she's talking about at one point how the girl she was nine years ago, she doesn't remember her anymore. And he says, I will make you remember her because I can never forget her no matter how hard I've tried. Like, she doesn't want to remember. You made her sad. <laughs> I know it. He seems so oblivious to that, you know, like so the impact yeah. that he had on her and he's <sighs> stupid. He's stupid, stupid alien. He no. says, I wanted her to feel the bite of sadness and regret and the deep sense of loss I felt now. She felt it nine years ago. <laughs> she felt it. This is your fault. You asshole. I know. He is so uh, angry. <laughs> oh, and then at the feast. So at the feast, when she is dancing with Gabe, Mm -hmm. And Kieran cuts in and he's like, he says a comment about how he's the only man who should have his hands on her. I thought, excuse you, sir. Mm -hmm. You don't have the right. Yeah, he does a couple things like that that bothered, that like irked me a little bit. Um, so he's very possessive of her, which, okay, mm -hmm. alien possessiveness. Um, again, it's part of the allure. Um, but the whole like I'm gonna make you remember right I'm gonna convince you it's a little like pushy I guess it is, yeah. which makes me a little uncomfortable and then later on he says something he's like well maybe I should get you pregnant so that you'll have to stay with me mm -hmm. and that made me super like he takes it back like right away yeah um but my first thought is like wow nothing more romantic than uh reproductive coercion like that made me uncomfortable to read too a little bit. I was yes. or not uncomfortable, just angry. Yeah, bothered. Like, you don't say that. Like, yeah, bothered. It was like, why, why would you say that? Even if it's even if you're joking a little bit. That's still it's, it's still not a great thing to say. Still not okay, dude. Yeah. Also, yeah. like there's any doubt that he's gonna get her pregnant. There's no mention of contraception. <laughs> she's not taking a tonic. She's still a virgin. Like, of course she's gonna get pregnant. That's what happens in these books. They they get they they have all the I sex think, and get pregnant. I think all of them end in pregnancy. Everyone they? get pregnant. Yes. Like that's. <laughs> that's because they have so much. Sex. Oh, and then the other thing that made me super uncomfortable is that he forces her to kiss him. Yeah. He forces that on her. And, you know, I know like some people may not see like kissing as like a big thing, but that's still, you still need consent. She was intentionally avoiding it. Yes, he knew that she didn't want it. This is a, like he forced himself on her like that. And he does kind of have a moment. He was, oh, maybe I did something that she can't forgive. And it's like, this should have been like, I think he was still inside her. Yeah. You know, at the time it was like, she should have, this is when she should feel safe too. Right. Like she should not feel in danger of her boundaries being violated while you're, fucking her like you know yeah and um but he did he violated her boundaries and that that made me mm -hmm. sad <laughs> i guess yeah so. and then he goes and says something sweet like i haven't I kissed know. anyone in nine years and i'm like oh she's I the last person you kissed <laughs> right he's i know he did say that and he was like i haven't given my kiss to anyone since that night and I was like oh I've had sex with a lot of other people but I haven't kissed anyone else right is this pretty woman like what are we what are we doing here is that what this because is? kissing is kissing is very intimate to the Dakari okay yes. yeah okay. I guess I guess I'll allow it I don't know yeah speaking yeah. of boundaries yeah I really like Mava trying really hard out here to set some boundaries yes it's, it's really it's uh 
she's had to fight really hard to stand up for herself. You know, Kieran was kind of the person who kept her from being bullied and stuff when he was around, but she makes a comment about how she learned that she had to stand up for herself and set boundaries or people would tromp all over her. And so she, she set some boundaries here and I really like it. You know, um, he, his pet name for her, his affectionate name for her was Seffy when they were younger and they were friends. He used to call her Seffy. And mm-hmm. so after he, you know, ruins her ability to get a job in, in her town, <laughs> going to talk about that after he ruins her ability to get a job in her town and she agrees to take the job as the healer in his horde, she demands that he call her by her title as Mokira not Seffy, which he doesn't do, but she keeps demanding it. And I like that she keeps pushing for that boundary to keep them separate. Um, I also like that. So he keeps, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. She, he keeps trying to act like they, they still know each other and they're friends and like nothing has happened. And she says to him, please don't act like you still know me for a car. So she calls him by his title. I'm like, yes, girl, you institute that boundary. We're not friends anymore. You are my boss and that's it. Yep. And he does not listen. Nope. He does not respect the boundaries. <laughs> yeah. And no, just keep stepping right over them, <laughs> right um, over them. And then I do, I do like, she said, he asks her if she has a mate and she says, I do have a mate. I've chosen myself and only myself. Yes, yes girl. Loved that. I am here for that energy. Yes, that was great. Um, yeah, that was great. And <laughs> I love so there's this interaction at one point where uh, between her and his second, right? And his second like talks about, oh, him basically like fucking women or females, right? Like all these aliens um, and like asking her jokingly, you know, like, oh, is he like that with all the women in the village? And, you know, uh, Karen gets really mad and he's like, stop it stop it like like I just imagine mine stop it it. and she walks away and but she says she's like I meant it like this will be better like we if we're nothing you know like if we both pretend that this is nothing and of course he gets all mopey about it yeah Mm -hmm. in that same scene he the Pujarak his second to like gets an injury it's like a small head injury or whatever and she tells him to put some stuff on it like some salve or whatever and he's like maybe I'll come by and you can do it for me and she's like uh maybe you can do it yourself so I'm not wasting my time on something simple like this he's like all right yes (laughs) ma'am I I will do that (laughs) (laughs) I love that oh and let's talk about his Pujarak's probably gonna be a new horde king Yes. Yes, I bet that as another book in our future. I hope so. Plus, they just mentioned that there was a new Horde King. Yeah, who's like the bastard of the the yes, the car. I see a rebellion in our sights. I know. I'm so excited. And like multiple hordes, new hordes, which means multiple more books. Like, come on, Zoe. Hikari. Hikari is mad. She's spreading the red mist, and Mm -hmm. I see a rebellion in our sights. Yes, super excited. Um, she's setting it up, I think, to have a bunch of a bunch of books. Um, I'm trying to. She does write like long series, though. Like, so her other alien, one of her other alien series, is like what eight or twelve books or book. something. One of them is like eight books. Yeah, yeah. So we could very easily end up with at least eight books. You know, Ugh, I love her. I know I so too. much. So uh, we mentioned how Kieran doesn't really respect boundaries when yeah. it comes to Mava. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of reinforced when he claims her as his uh, Mukira and the healer in town refuses to consider her as his uh, what replacement because of that. Yep. I know that was one of the reasons yeah one of my notes was 
Um, I have this in here. Oh, fuck this dude for telling the healer he wanted her fucking men. Yep. Yeah. Um, There's her out here trying to do it for yourself. (laughs) And Karen is ruining her career opportunity. (laughs) For his own selfish reason. Freaking men. Gosh. Uh, This is a very, this somehow ended up being a very anti- Oh, very feminist episode. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's what I said. Like, my feminism went in this book, my feminism is at odds with my romanticism. Like, I love the possessiveness and I love all of the romantic elements. So, that I guess I'm just like really feeling the feminist vibe today because I was reading it and I was like, this dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, her. I mean, you know, they're not best friends now when he comes back nine years later, but I still think like he should have talked to her before being like, I I want her as my, my healer. So they have bird met or Vesper. We never figured out with a Vesper. They're birds. They're winged beings. They're birds. They have messengers. They have mail. He could have written a letter. Yeah. Nope. He just shows up. He does. He shows up and like the first thing that he does is give her an order to go home. Like, "Mm." (laughs) she saves one of his people. She takes off so that she can go collect her magic nuts or whatever. And he's like, you need to go home. These woods are dangerous. And she's like, I'm here every day. (laughs) Bye. Yes. How dare you, sir? Mm -hmm. You don't get to say that to her anymore. Then, uh, of course, so we have that the village Makari, um, who really, I mean, he's fueled by quite a few things as to why he didn't pick uh, Mava anyway, right? So his nephew is in the running for it, right? So we've got nepotism there. Then we've got racism, speciesism, speciesism, maybe? Yeah. Right? I don't know. Um, really what you would call it, um, against her because she's a human. And then sexism, because she's a woman. Although I don't know for sure if that last one is it, because they do seem to be pretty equal. There doesn't seem to be any like, oh, women can't do this, women can't do that Mm -hmm. uh, sort of thing. So I don't know, because in some of our other books, her other horde books the healer is female yeah so i don't know how much it's motivated by sexism for him i don't know maybe i think it's more like that she's human and also that the guy nabrick is his nephew yeah yeah i think so um speaking of nabrick i hate him <laughs> oh my god right why is he what is mm, he like taunts her for something that happened years ago why I know. Well, he taunts her. And also, what about uh, she wasn't the only person that stuck her cup on the table. There were women ahead of her that stuck her their cups on the table. Does he taunt all of those people who like he didn't choose to have sex with anybody that evening? So does Nabrick taunt all of the other women or is it just Mava because she is his competition and she's better than him? Let's get real. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about, because it was kind of sweet. Um, so when she, the first time, jumps off of a cliff, right? Mm-hmm. And he's terrified, right? And he looks back on it later, um, thinking, like, this that was the one time I had to, like, really think about not having her, like, in this world at all. And he couldn't stand the thought. Like, he could not picture it. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about that. Maybe, oh, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. He, I mean, he does have, he has a, several sweet moments. Mm-hmm. He just also has lots of moments where he's a butthead too. Yeah. It's because he doesn't know how to talk about his feelings. Yep. Like a lot of these issues could be resolved or avoided if he had been in the beginning like, look, I'm attracted to you, but I'm about to go out and start my own horde, and it's going to be a really overwhelming year, and I'm worried, and I feel insecure about my ability to lead, so now it's not really a good time for me. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then he felt that guilt, though, about wanting her because he thought maybe it didn't make him any better than the other males in the village who wanted her because she was human. Yeah. So he had these conflicting emotions. Right. He, he dealt with it talk- badly. I know he, he could have, talked, he could about have them. talked about it with her and said, look, I'm attracted to you, but I have these feelings and I'm afraid it makes me as bad as the people that are objectifying you for being human. Yeah. So we do get, you know, some hot alien sex in this. Yeah. <laughs> he uses his tail. I love the tail. Gosh. He the tail. He like uses it to hold her leg open. Uh-huh. You know? uh, and then he uses it to tease her clit too. Yes. So this is, you know, we got some actual, like, incorporating the tail into sexual acts in this. Although, so how do you picture the tail? Mm, I see a dragon, not a dragon, a dragon tail. Boy, wouldn't that be something. I see a lion tail. I mean. Me too. So, like, I picture, like, a little tuft on the end of it. a tuft on the end, yes. So then when it's, like, he's, like, brushing that against her clit, I just, that's what I think of. And I was, like. Like, it must not be a lion's tail, because that probably would just feel weird and hairy or something. Well, you know, and when I think of lion tail, my mind automatically goes to animated Lion King. Oh, okay. So that that imagery takes it out for me a little bit. So I don't think about what the actual tail looks like a whole lot. But when I see tail, I'm like, yes! Hold on to her with it. Wrap it around her ankle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you, I feel like we get more tail action. We definitely get more tail action in this one. None of the other books, I don't remember having played off with tails so much. And we hear more about their tail. But his tail, like, twitches. It's a tail. He mentions at some point. It's like, it's a tail he'd never been able to, like, stop or master yeah. or anything. So I love that. It reminds and- me of my cat, if I'm honest. <laughs> And then, sorry, she does mention that the tail acts like independently to him. So like it wrapping itself around her ankle and stuff and holding her open is like a reflection of him wanting her near. Yeah. Sweet. It's like holding her hand, but with a tail. (laughs) It's sweet. Yes. Um, I feel like only Zoe Draven could make a tail sexy yeah <laughs> i mentioned claws several like his claws digging yeah. in there, like, several times too i'm like i can't decide if i'm aroused by this or if it would make me flinch i know well because she mentions it like going over her nipples uh-huh right like gently and i'm thinking i was like oh i'd be so nervous yes with somebody's like dragging their claws and i know he's doing it really lightly and gently you know but and maybe so... that lends to some of the sexy element like if if it was there's a little bit of a danger there if he's yeah. too aggressive with those claws i guess you lose a nipple maybe oh my god ow i just like <laughs> grabbed my boob <laughs> like no so maybe that lends to some of the excitement with it too yep I wonder how sharp these claws are as well. Are they kind of dulled down? Are they real sharp? Well, in one of them, it mentions that he like bites them off. I know. So that he can finger her, but he doesn't do that in this one. So maybe they're a little dull? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. I'd like, so we have another situation where we have a female that's untried right naturally like in the last one and mm-hmm. have they all been untried yeah no penetration before right well and in, in madness of the horde king we talked about he kind of like aggressively not aggressively but he rapidly penetrates to kind of get through it and we don't really i don't think we have that in this book which i appreciated mm-hmm. she gives him like or he gives her time but he does i also doesn't know that She's never had sex before, which kind of makes it really sweet. Like, I appreciate taking it slow, mm-hmm. whether you know if a person has been penetrated before or not. So way mm-hmm. to be a considerate lover. Well, he like, it says that he looks at her with reverence mm-hmm. and she's like, don't look at me like that. And he's like, fine. And then he like flips her over. Right. Is aggressive after that. Yes. That, um, that is accurate. 
but the initial penetration yes was was sweet was sweet and not real aggressive and he doesn't know that she hasn't had sex before so until he like she's bleeding after and he's like i hurt you yeah oh She does. There is this one scene where they do actually finally get like she chooses to kiss him. It's a volitional thing. Um, everyone is consenting at this point. And she talks about she doesn't close her eyes and neither does he yeah, just keep their eyes open and kissing. And I'm like, that sounds so awkward. So awkward. <laughs> I read that too when I was like, no, close your eyes. I read that and thought that was really really weird too yeah. oh and there's another point where he like bites her and she says not hard enough to hurt but hard enough to leave a mark which i've seen in lots of books and every time i read that i'm like i don't but how do you leave a mark without it hurting you know like maybe not like extreme pain. it's gotta hurt a little I mean, right maybe we're differentiating like painful hurt and pleasurable hurt i don't know I guess. Yeah, I don't know. So he gives her this insanely sweet locket, yeah. right? Yeah. It has, he has it handmade for her. It's gold. It has all these little Sethi, you know, blossoms on it. And then in the locket, it has sand from home. Mm-hmm. And he says that he got it for her like a decade ago because and he was going to give it to her when she joined his horde because he thought she was going to join his horde. And I was like, I had mixed feelings about it because one, really, really sweet. But two, what the fuck? You thought she was going to join your horde? <laughs> like, like you were really like, and the thing is, is that like, you're going to give her that after like, so not even, let's say he didn't even reject her. Let's say that she joined the horde, right? And that rejection thing didn't happen. And he gave her that. What kind of message did he think that was going to send anyway? I know. Like. There's a lot of mis. I have a note about it in the book, in my notes. Like there's a lot of uh, mixed messaging going around from him. Yeah. Like he rejects her, but he doesn't want her to reject him. Yep. He wants everything to stay the same after this horribly awful interaction that they have with her. And he's like, so are you going to join my horde? No. No, she's not going to join your horde. The audacity. You want her to come, but you don't want her to be romantically involved with you. You ask her to join your horde, but you at the same time say, like, you're going to have to get used to us not being like friends like this. But then you want to give her this very special, significant locket. And then he just, so many times he th- he speaks without thinking and she feel, thinks like he's mocking her, like, you know, about the goblet. Oh my gosh. Like when he says he makes that comment to her, I was waiting for you, Sethi, waiting for your goblet to reach my table at the celebratory feast that he has for her. Like, this is the, this is the worst the worst thing you could possibly say to her she doesn't even drink out of goblets anymore okay like she was so scarred by that first situation with the goblet she's like no i'm never gonna touch one again like that's not even what happens but that's what i would do it's like nope every time i see a goblet i am triggered i'm just gonna drink out of bowls from now on (laughs) so what did you think about her wanting to stay in the village versus her wanting to go with the horde in like the second in the second book like um with now nine years later not the first time so i i know she wanted to stay in her village and she didn't want to leave her parents or her dad and her sister and her nephew but i think it ended up being a really smart choice for her career wise you know we talked we We trash talked Karen for ruining her job opportunity in the village, but she leaving gives her the opportunity to work independently as a healer, uh, Mm -hmm. which is not working as like a sub healer under Nabrick who sucks. Um, She, because of this, she has the opportunity to actually like work with a new type of patient. So she gets to see uh, pregnant females who 
are having hybrid children, which is really different. She gets to train uh, a new apprentice. And so hopefully with that, train out some of the maybe sexist behavior or speciesism that the guy might have encountered otherwise. Um, and she makes an independent discovery with the the fungus that she uses to keep Addie from bleeding out. Uh, so I know it's not originally what she wanted, but I think it ends up working well for her. Me too. And I think it's, I in my head when I read it, right, she, this is basically when you get passed over for a promotion at a job and so you search for another job because yeah. that's, that's really what how it goes you get like she she deserved that promotion mm -hmm. she didn't get it for various reasons including males um and so to move on to another job where she gets the promotion and gets the title that she wants which mm -hmm. i think is good um but of course then she goes in and like immediately he's like here is this person who will uh, act as your helper and i'm going to call her a peaky which means mm -hmm. you're going to be my wife. Yep. But And also, I'm going to move you out of your tent and move you into mine. Oh, what a power move. That was my <laughs> note. That was my note for that. What a power move. <laughs> and I'm not going to talk with you about it before I do it. You're just going to walk out and your home will be gone. <laughs> I love that. Dude, I know it was like not a cool thing to do. It's not cool. She's like, where's my house? <laughs> I take to get to my house <laughs> or bulky or whatever it is. Bulky. Bulky. <laughs> and she's like, it's out there. And she turns and she's like, where is it? Because <laughs> she's being like followed by a guard who's really yes. bad at following her. <laughs> Could you imagine? No. Your house is gone. Can you imagine being the guard? Uh... <laughs> I know I have to tell her that. He, he moved you out. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, where's all my stuff? And then he, she, he points over to where his let me is. Let me escort you to pound town. <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel bad because then she's like, are you making me leave, right? Like, oh, are you yeah. sending me on? And he's like, oh, no, 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 the opposite. I'm trapping you here. You're going to be my wife. <laughs> really strong arms are into that one didn't they <laughs> he really does not respect the boundaries she's trying to set at all <laughs> so as much as that works in a book this is not good advice do not move no. a woman or female out of her house no. without her permission that's a conversation you need to have first yes definitely i just I love that it's just gone though, you know? Just like, out, uh, she like looks around, does a circle, you know, like it was here when I left this morning. <laughs> so what ends up being like the big, the big reveal for their relationship in this book is that both of their parents have ruined their lives. Mm -hmm. Not really, that's dramatic, but she, you know, she's holding all of this resentment for him because he never came by to say that he was leaving before he left for his hoard. And that really hurts her because, you know, sure he rejected her, but they had always been really good friends. And so that's, to her, this is like a rejection of their friendship too. And then also we find out that he never received her letter and his mom lied about him sending condolences. He never even knew her mama was dead. Yeah. I know. So when he shows up like at her house, he's like, oh, I'm here to pay respects to your mother. And she's like, it's a bit late. He's like, what? Yeah. what? Super confused. <laughs> and she's wearing her mom's special necklace. And he's like, I wonder why she's doing that. <laughs> yeah. So when they find out, it's like a really big and they both they both kind of confront the parents, I guess, when they return to her home and her village after the the attack. And I, so I'm curious how you feel. Both parents, we think, are acting to protect them, right? 
yes. motivations are different, but father is acting to protect Mava from having her heart broken again, mm-hmm. having to face the guy that broke her heart. Um, and his mother is acting to, I guess, protect him. Uh, she knows that the success of his horde is important to him. And she knows in that first year that he's really struggling with it because of mistakes that were made. So she's trying to protect him from that perspective. I feel like I can more easily, you know, understand or uh, rationalize maybe the father's actions than I can the mother, because I feel like I get a little bit of a prejudiced vibe from her. Too. I feel like if it had just been that note just lying and being like, oh, the note, you know, whatever. But she also then goes off to like start turning her away. Like they used to be friends, right? Like her and her mom, like so um his mother and her mother used to be friends, right? And so after her mother passed, um, she started spending time with her as well. And then all of a sudden that stops, she came to try to be like, hey, I want to see her, like, hang out. And she started turning her away. So I feel like that was sort of, that made it worse, yeah. you know? Um, I don't, I don't know. And I also get kind of a prejudice vibe from her too. Although she never says that. It's never explicitly stated. Right. Um, so... But like how uh, when he's telling her about how he tried to come and say goodbye and his uh, her father was blocking the way uh, all night, he wanted to try to fight him. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, like he tried so many times to come and say goodbye. Made me sad for him and her. Yeah. You know, I was pretty frustrated at the dad, too, because he knew, like she said in the book, like he knew how much him not saying goodbye hurt. And he never told her that he did try to say goodbye. Yeah. Which is kind of shitty. Yeah. Something that that he does that I appreciate is that, you know, Mavis stays up all night delivering the hybrid baby. And she walks out of the, the tent, the dothiki, and he's got just like a handful of snacks for her. I like that. Women like snacks. We do. Bring us Bring snacks. Us food. Bring, Bring us snacks. <laughs> oh, it looks like you've been working for a while. Have a snack. Mm-hmm. Let me get you a snack. What kind of snack would you like? Women like snacks. Get us snacks. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> All I can think about are snacks. <laughs> okay. Oh, so one of the things that I really love in this book are Zoe Draven's descriptions of like the sea right because I can feel it <laughs> like the way she describes it I haven't been I, I really want to go down the shore but I haven't I haven't been all year and it's just like I can feel that like sea like that cool sea breeze that comes off um and even like how she describes like they're standing on top of a, a cliff or whatever it makes me think about like standing at the edge of a jetty um like with the waves coming up and the spray hitting you and it's just the old and the salt that then gets on you like in your hair and stuff and your hair starts to curl um and the stickiness right this is the only time I'm okay with stickiness is when I come back from like when I come off the beach and I've got that little bit of like beach stickiness mm-hmm. and you smell like the beach that is the only time I can say I'm sticky so I don't know if it's just like, I really want to go to the beach so that I like am putting, but I think her descriptions for it are just so spot on. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I could feel it. All right. So quotable quotes, uh, Marissa said all of hers. Uh, I have one though that I saved. Um, so mine is, I think it might be the last, actually the last line in the, in the book, but um, it's in the epilogue. So um, it's, Uh, from Mavis point of view and it says and then when we were old and tired and wanted peace we would settle next to Drukhar's sea our time on the wildlands would be over and the new hordes would take our place to begin their duty to Dakar and Kakari I just love that it's a circle of life Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's it it is there's something kind of calming about that you know like knowing like having your future kind of like that you know, yeah. knowing what's coming and knowing how it's all going to go. Although, you know, with the red mist and everything, it, it might not 
Yeah. Um, it just could end up with everybody being dead. Be a really sad way to end a series. Yeah. I would I would be really I would be disappointed if that's how it ended. It would I it doubt would, it will. It doesn't seem very Zoe Dravenish, but hey, maybe she'll maybe she'll surprise us. Maybe she'll. So well, I see a happily ever after in our future. I sure hope so. Okay. Final thoughts. Marissa, you have any final thoughts on this book? Oh, you know, just that Zoe Draven does it again. She she just writes such great books. I'm really excited to see where this the series goes i really hope a rebellion is in our future but i'm looking forward to the stories for the the rest of the horde kings that'll come through what about you yeah i am looking forward to the rest of the series i hope that it goes on for a long long time mm -hmm. <laughs> you know eight books or more i'd be down for if we're um, putting in our requests zoe we would like <laughs> yes please <laughs> as many books as possible and don't forget those crave books because I love those too. So <laughs> right in the hit books. They're just so good and they make me yeah. so happy. And it, they're great. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with the Zoe Dream book. I really, I don't. So that wraps up Literary Quest. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.